from 10 11 now. Haynes, upset. Sweet. Ty Sweet right between the block. And has she been sweet tonight? And the 10 11 studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. Good pass. This is the End Report Podcast. Words will be spoken, thoughts will be formed. With Dan Corey, I'm Kevin Suits. Welcome to the End Report Podcast in mid-December. The we're expectations gonna... are really low. Thank you. Yeah. I think right we've had now. a great track record here in the fall then, if, if we're setting the bar pretty yeah, well. Yeah, if, if we can have words spoken, we'll be all right. We're on the right track. And the words we will be speaking for the majority of this podcast will be on the Nebraska Volleyball Program. The Huskers are in the Sweet 16. They travel to Madison this weekend. And coming up here in a few minutes, we'll have a one-on-one chat with Nebraska freshman sensation Maddie Kubik, who's helped the Huskers reach this point. 27-4 and record. I don't believe they're the favorite in Madison, but man, it's going to be an exciting weekend as the Huskers try to go for their fifth consecutive Final Four appearance. Well, two of those losses are to Wisconsin, and both of them were sweeps, and you're going to Wisconsin. So yeah, I I would say Wisconsin is the favorite, heavy favorite, probably not, knowing John Cook's track record in December. But hey, listen, remember last year, it was kind of similar where Nebraska went to Minneapolis the Minnesota Regional, and Minnesota lost before Nebraska could even play them, and that kind of made the route to the Final Four a little easier for the Huskers. Uh, So you don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, everything is pointing towards a a Wisconsin and Nebraska rematch. Nebraska has hosted in regionals before, and when that has happened, Cook has even mentioned to us that the pressure is just so high. You're playing in front of your home crowd, and there is the expectation to go to the Final Four. And if you don't, you feel like no matter what happened prior to that, the season may be viewed as a failure, even though your win total could be very high. And that's why, you know, on Saturday after the Huskers defeated uh, Missouri in the second round at the Devaney Center, John Cook even said that, He's okay with going on the road. He likes the mentality his team takes when it leaves Lincoln, and uh, he knows anything can happen. And he he talked about that, that Wisconsin is going to take the court on Friday with a lot, a lot of pressure. Yeah, the Badgers get Texas A&M. Nebraska will play Hawaii in the first round. Those are Friday's games. The winners will play on Saturday evening. And, and yeah, I – you know, the Devaney Center is great, and it can certainly provide Nebraska with a spark uh, if it's half asleep. Uh, the thing is, is that this is the Sweet 16, Elite 8. Nebraska is going to be on its top game. Doesn't necessarily need an arena uh, of 11, 12,000 to get excited. I remember last year in Minneapolis, you know, the gym was half full for both Nebraska matches, and they did just fine there. So certainly going to be interesting to see and uh, you were at that Missouri match this past Saturday. And, uh, yeah, the third set, that definitely set the tone for the rest of the way, I feel like. I will be honest. There was a part of the match in which I said, they're, they're going to lose. And that's because Missouri had won the first set. And then in the second set, the Huskers seemed to settle in a little bit. But in the third set, Nebraska trailed by six. They came back to tie it up. They took the lead, but then Missouri reclaimed the lead. And then when it got down to the finish, that was about as loud as we heard the Devaney Center all year long. It was 24-23. Nebraska could have closed it out, 
but Missouri had a big-time block, 24-24. They go to bonus volleyball, and it went all the way to 32-30. And that stretch from 24-23 to 32-30, no one really knew what was going to happen. In, in that span, there included a challenge by John Cook, which was not overturned, and Cook was not happy about that. Nebraska had set point. Missouri had set point. I believe one of the teams had set point seven times. Missouri did. Nebraska fought it off each time. And John Cook at the end said, we had to dig down deeper than we have all season just to advance and continue on to the Sweet 16. It's not a bad thing. No. It's not a bad thing to, to get that. And, and once you felt like Nebraska won that third set, 32-30, when Jazz threw it down, like you're like, Nebraska's got this. I, I don't see how Missouri comes back from this. And that's exactly what happened. And then Lawrence Stiverance hit it off the girl's face. I was going to say, out of that match, second-round match, and sometimes those second-round matches, they can be, we don't want to say easy, but you can definitely see the gap between the two teams. I don't know if Missouri was underseeded. Geography certainly comes into play when the volleyball bracket is released, but that was as good of a second-round opponent as I can remember Nebraska playing in several years. They were very good. They tested Nebraska. And out of that match, there are a few things that I think are almost signature moments for the entire season. Yet it's not Big Ten play, and it's early in the tournament. But you mentioned Jazz Sweets kill, and that's the one that closed out set three, 32-30. But it wasn't just closing out the set. It was her reaction. Mm -hmm. Jazz is such a stoic competitor. Shows very little emotion. Even if you go to a practice, you, you even wonder, like, does she smile? Is there any joy in her heart? Yes, the answer is yes. But when it comes time for volleyball, it's all about ball. And she doesn't show much. But when that ball hit the floor, there were like two fist pumps, a big smile, and she was fired. And I think Lauren Stiverance and Nicklin Hames were a little taken back from that because they're the ones typically doing the celebrations, and it was Jazz leading the way there. It was it was awesome to see, and uh, and they they needed that spark. In that second moment, that I think a lot of people will, whenever the season ends, when they look back at 2019 Nebraska volleyball, it was the Lauren Stiverance kill. It was not match point. It was the point before she hammered one. And it went directly off the Missouri player's face. There was zero reaction time. And there wasn't even celebration on Nebraska's side of the net. There was turn and cause for concern for that player. She exited the game. Man, that had to hurt. Yeah, and good on Lauren, obviously, who celebrates quite a bit of the time. Right away, as you mentioned, she was concerned for, for that Missouri player. And uh, the Missouri player is fine. And uh, it's one that definitely made the rounds on, on Twitter. Yeah. If you haven't seen that video, we encourage you to watch it. If you are uh, willing to, you know, you, get yourself, you know what you're going to get yourself into. There's a student athlete who takes a volleyball off the face that was pretty much a rocket off of the attacker's hand. Uh, but, yeah, it is posted on our social media platforms, and uh, you can watch it there. So Nebraska, again, is heading to Madison for regional play this week, and the Huskers are 27-4, and and they take on a Hawaii team, which is ranked 18th nationally, 26-3, and Big West champions this year. 
These are two teams that have played each other in previous years, though there has been uh, a bit of a drought between Nebraska and Hawaii meetings. you got to go back to 2007, the last time that the uh, Rainbow Wahine came to Lincoln, and that was before scoring was adapted. It was when they were still playing to 30. And Nebraska, oh, by the way, was playing at the Coliseum, not at the Devaney Center. So uh, Hawaii perennially very strong program they have had some down years over the past few years but you know when it comes to the sweet 16 and regional play anybody can win the the 16 teams that are still in the tournament they're all very talented squads yeah and not to play the transitive property game but hawaii swept san diego to advance to the sweet 16 that's a the same san diego team that took nebraska to five sets earlier in the year so you know John Cook is preaching that we're going to get everything we can get handled from them. It, one thing, um, you know, Wisconsin does play right before Nebraska, so Nebraska is going to uh, know what it has to do. If, if Wisconsin wins, it's like, okay, let's take care of business, and then mm -hmm. we'll take care of the Badgers tomorrow. Yeah, so that's the stage for this weekend. And one of the key pieces for Nebraska, not just this weekend, but throughout the course of the season, and I would be hard-pressed to find a player that has improved as much as Maddie Kubik throughout this year, her first year on Nebraska's campus. Such a vital, vital part of this team, and she's really helped the Huskers catch fire here over the past month. Here's my interview with Maddie Kubik as the Huskers get ready to head to Madison this weekend. Maddie Kubik is the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. More importantly, she's helped the Huskers advance to the Madison Regional. Matches are Friday and Saturday up in Wisconsin. Congratulations on getting to the Sweet 16, Maddie. How did it feel on Saturday night? You guys had to squeak out a four-set win mm -hmm. over a very scrappy Missouri team. Yeah, We have to give credit to Mizzou. They, they played hard and they really went for it um, from the serving line and offensively. So um, we really just had to weather that storm and kind of just come out together on top. Set number three, mm -hmm. that was wild. Yep. You guys had set point 24-23, and then it went back and forth, a really very slim margin for error, and then you guys end up winning that one 32-30. What was that like, those points from 24-24 all the way up to 32-30? Yeah, we were just um, really trying to go for it, and in those big moments, I really think that we were being aggressive and knowing that we weren't going to win points by ho hoping they make the errors, we were going to have to win them by earning them ourselves. So I was really proud of the way that we took big swings in the big moments. I think for some of us, we got to check ourselves because you are playing at such a high level, yet these are your first two matches <laughs> in the NCAA tournament. Have they lived up to the expectation that you maybe had before the tournament started prior to the weekend? Because I'm sure that in your mind, you maybe thought what it would be like from an atmosphere standpoint and from a competition standpoint. Yeah, I just think Coach talks about it a lot. There's a different energy in the gym. There's a different um, vibe, and everyone's feeling a sense of urgency, maybe more than just the regular conference matches. Um, but I think we're really excited for the opportunity and the position that we're in. But how much fun did you have over the weekend? Oh, it's so much fun. I, I love playing next to Like, these are my people, and I just love playing next to them. So it's, it's fun to go to war with them every day. And throughout the season, you know, did you come here thinking you would have as big of an impact as you've had through these first 30-plus matches you've played at Nebraska? Um, I think my mindset coming in was just to get better and really just grind every day and um, try to work out some kinks, work out some other things, and um, just help my teammates. So I think you're being very humble uh, because you, if you look at the numbers you've had, they're pretty outstanding. For I mean, freshmen going all six rotations, that doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, thank you very much. means a lot. Um, I have the best teammates. And we 
do a really good job putting each other in good positions to be successful. So I mean, I just got to give it to them. Big Ten play. You guys didn't win the championship, but I think anybody that watched the conference could say you were as good as anybody in the conference. Was there a bit of, I don't know what the correct word would be, just did it sit in your pit of your stomach that you didn't win the conference title, yet you guys played so well? If you go back to, like, the Purdue match, Mm -hmm. if you win that match, the conference race probably turns out a little bit differently than it did. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think we were um, happy with the way that we competed in the Big Ten um, because it's a hard conference to play in, and day in and day out, I feel like we were competing hard, and Wisconsin's a good team. Um, and I, I think that obviously that was one of our goals at the beginning of the season, but um, I mean, now we got to put our heads down. We have another a bigger goal yeah. in mind right now, so I think just um, understand that we played hard and won some good matches. and. Do you feel like playing in the Big Ten was like playing in the NCAA tournament for a two-month stretch because the competition is so extremely tough? Right. I just feel like coming into the NCAA tournament where we might always be more prepared teams from the Big Ten mm-hmm. because every single weekend, every single night that we play in this conference, we have to go to battle. And so when it comes down to it, um, we've been in that position before, so we know what it feels like. Wisconsin obviously won the Big Ten championship outright. Mm-hmm. You guys played them twice, both here and and also up in Madison, and the result was the same, Mm -hmm. three sets. Mm -hmm. What didn't go right in each of those matches? Was there something that you can say, you know what, that wasn't us, or that's something that they really did that posed the problem? Um, I think on our side, we have to be more aggressive at the serving line Mm. and get them out of system because when they're in system, they're they're pretty successful um, just because they normally have a lot of people going on their offense. And so I think from our side, we just need to – get them out of system so we can put ourselves in a better position to be. I'm not looking for any bulletin board material here, Mm -hmm. but can you guys beat them uh, if you happen to run into them in the regional? I think we can. Why do you say that? Because we're capable of fighting and we're capable of getting teams out of system and shutting them down defensively. Um, And I really think that if we play block and D, we could beat any team. The old adage is is that it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. And I know when the selection show happened, there's a piece of video of John Cook. As the selection comes out, he gives a thumbs up. And it was almost like he liked the draw. I think he was happy with the five seed. But I think it, it was cool with Coach Cook that there's the possibility of going to Madison to play in regionals. Yeah, I think he likes um... – for us to be challenged and for us to be able to weather the storm and um, be put in those big moments to be able to trust each other and have ultimate trust. And so, I don't know, I think he's excited for a challenge. All right, I want to finish up with a couple of questions just kind of about you. The student section here at Nebraska, they really get into this, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, they. I mean, they love volleyball. The Devaney's awesome. They they were great tonight, super loud. And they have a lot of unique things for each individual player on the team. And for you, sometimes when you have a great play, whether it's at the service line or in the front row, that they hold up a Rubik's Cube. (laughs) When did that start, and what did you first Um, think when you saw that? I'm not sure when it started. It was probably middle of the Big Ten, one of our home matches. They brought it out. And the pictures on it are not super flattering, um, but I thought it was funny and like um, that it was a good idea. So I thought it was funny. It was cool. Okay, we we turn the the years back on you. When did you start playing volleyball? So just get a quick little history of Maddie Kubik and her volleyball journey that led all the way up to her uh, outstanding freshman season at Nebraska. Um, I started playing volleyball in third grade. I played with a rec team, and my mom was the coach of the team. My mom played in college, um, and kind of pushed me to love it at the beginning and I 
I think if she wouldn't have been there, then maybe I wouldn't be as into it as I am. Um, but I instantly fell in love with the sport and competing and my teammates and yeah. What do you love about volleyball? Is it about the, the competition or is it about all the fun things that you get to do with teammates that create memories for a lifetime? I think both. I think I love competing and I love winning, but the byproduct of being on a being on a volleyball team is the relationships you get to make with your teammates and it's the best like the best friends I've ever had in my life. I like what you just said. I love competing and I like winning. That sounds like something that John Cook, if he saw that quote, he would say, I need to recruit that player right there. When did you know that you could compete at a really high level and you were being maybe recruited by some pretty elite programs? Um, I don't know if there was a certain moment or a time. I just tried to keep my head down and just get better every single day. So, I mean, I'm still doing that, still learning. I feel like there's always something new you can learn. But um, Coach was really confident in me and I I kind of took that and ran with it a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think just him instilling that in me early. Is there anything that you have experienced with John Cook that caught you by surprise? Obviously, he's a very unique coach. He's sure. a perfectionist, and he's got a lot of nuances that make him make Coach Cook Coach Cook. Yeah. But is there something that, you know, being in the gym with him every day that you're just like, well, that's exactly what I expected or that's mm-hmm. not what I expected? I mean – we all know he's intense and he's a great competitor. Um, but I think what I respect most about him is how he treats us like his family. And just at the end of the day, wants to take care of us and wants us to be to be good. And as much as he pushes or um, maybe says some things, you know, like maybe he doesn't mean or I don't know, whatever. Um, I just think at the end of the day, like we're his family. And he's he spends more time with us maybe than he does at home mm-hmm. and thinks about us more than anything so I just have a lot of respect for him and the way that he handles Nebraska volleyball all right and I'm assuming that a lot a lot of your family members get to come to your matches pretty regularly you're from Iowa and that's a mm-hmm. hop skip and a jump for your family to get here correct right. yeah my family's at almost every home game and they sometimes travel to the away games also they're really supportive they're gonna go to Madison this weekend um I think they'll try and figure it out because I got three younger sisters One's a sophomore, 10 and 8. So they got their own things too. <laughs> so I think they'll try, they'd try their best to make it out to every match. So your parents are running the rat race as oh, a, yeah. Just, a, yeah, a large family. Chicken with their head cut off. Yeah, that's, I think that describes <laughs> it probably pretty accurately. All right, yeah. that's Matty Cuba. Good luck this weekend up in the Madison Regional. Thank you. So it's Matty Cubic, not Kubik, and that's the reference for the Rubik's Cube that she was talking about there. I think that's really fun. The, those students find so many different ways to keep the experience fresh at the Devaney Center. Yeah, you have the aloe sunblock. Uh, you have Miller time. What else do you have? You have knuckles. Yeah. That's a new one where it's someone the emo- has... It's like the pound emoji. Yeah, exactly, and someone has a huge sign now for that. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Hames and Stiverins, they don't really have, have one, but, man, the, the Stiverins slide, that is becoming like a thing, big time, and... It's awesome. It's I don't fun know to if, watch. I don't know if Nebraska fans or volleyball fans knew this, uh, casual volleyball fans knew this ahead of the season, that when the middle blocker goes behind the setter and hits from the pin, it's just it's called the slide play. But I think that that connection and the name of Stiver and Slide, it has brought awareness and has educated a lot of volleyball fans, not just in Nebraska, but nationally. We see the NCAA volleyball account uh, on Twitter and Facebook and throughout the social media platforms. They reference Stiver and Slide pretty regularly. And it's nice, too, because if you're, you know, football, it's kind of like a play action where you have Stiverins going on the slide and then Nicklin goes to the other side with Jazz or, or Maddie, and it's like, 
for us filming it, you know, our goal is to kind of get as zoomed in as we can on that. And it's like, oh, no, they're not going to Lauren. They're going to Maddie. But, uh, man, when when the the connection there is just – it's a lot of fun. And then you got the celebrations afterwards. So many options for Nebraska offensively. And as we just talked to Kubik, she has 311 kills this season. That's 2.75%. And then in digs, she's at 284. She ranks second on the team in kills, Dan. Mm-hmm. She came in – and I don't think that this is fair to say she came in to replace Michaela Fecky. She came in as an option to replace Michaela Fecky. There's still been a drop-off because Fecky is one of the program's all-time greats, but Kubik has done an outstanding job in filling that void as a first-year player. Yeah, I think she's probably done more, more than we thought. We knew that she was a really good player. She's a Big Ten Freshman of the Year. and I think she could be National Freshman of the Year. Yeah, I think so, legitimately. too. And... Um, you know, we were wondering, I, I asked John Cook before the tournament started, hey, do you ask anything different from your freshman, Kenzie Knuckles and, and Maddie Kubik? And he's like, no. And uh, we saw that in the first round where she tied for the leading uh, team in kills with 11, and then she hit 688, which led the team. Uh, so she did just fine in her first round, first round match. Again, resetting it for this week, and Nebraska travels to uh, Madison for regional play. First match on Friday against Hawaii is at 3.30. It's not on television. It will be on ESPN3 for those of you that have a subscription or access to the ESPN uh, digital platforms. And then winners will meet on Saturday in the regional final, 5 o'clock. That will be on ESPNU. I said earlier, Dan, that Nebraska and Hawaii have not played since 2007. I should make sure I clarify that. They have played, it was fact, two years ago. But that was sand volleyball and beach volleyball. When they played Hawaii in Hawaii, and I was in attendance. Yeah. My wife and I happened to be in Hawaii at the same time that the beach volleyball season was happening, and we found out that they were on the same island that we were on, so we went as spectators. It was the wildest thing. You you figure there might be admission, or with beach volleyball, you didn't know how it would even go. But the setup that they have there, beach volleyball is a pretty big deal, obviously, in Hawaii, but it was in a mini arena with a couple of courts down in the sand, and then the bleachers would fan up about, I'd say about 10 to 12 rows, and the match was televised in Hawaii. It was a big deal. Nebraska lost, um, but I don't think that what happens in the beach season necessarily translates over into how your team's going to be on the indoor season. Right. I remember that trip. Yeah, it was. I was like one month into the job. You're like, (laughs) hey, I'm going to Hawaii for 12 days. See you later. And you did a great job. Uh, and I got uh, to watch Nebraska volleyball uh, many miles away from Lincoln. So that just a little personal connection and a personal vignette of watching the team there. I remember Michaela Fecky. Um, she was being held out of the beach season that year because it was going into her senior year. She had a small injury, and there was no need for, for her to put any additional strain on her body. So the coaching staff, John Cook didn't even make the trip, but the coaching staff that was there, uh, they gave Michaela additional responsibilities, non-volleyball. And I remember one of the things that she was doing that night was trying to figure out where the team was going to eat dinner after the volleyball match. And she was talking to her teammates during the match. Like, what do you guys feel like for dinner? And it was her job to call up and make a reservation for a party of, I don't know, 20, 25 people. 
It was interesting. Yeah, I feel like John Cook probably isn't going to be asking the team on, on Friday <laughs> evening where they want to eat in between first and second sets, but that's just my hunch. But Madison has some pretty good options for, for dining. I think they're going to have a good time, and hopefully the results will follow as well. Of course, we'll have highlights and reaction and um, coverage from Madison this weekend as the Huskers aim for a trip to Pittsburgh, which is where the Final Four is this year. Dan, let's transition into Nebraska football. I understand that this time of year with no bowl game, the focus goes on recruiting, and that's the focus of the coaching staff right now. But also one of the big stories happening right now regarding Husker football is a relationship between the current staff and the program as a whole and one of the program's all-time greats, and that being Tommy Frazier. It's been very critical of this year's team, and during the loss to Iowa in the season finale, he was very opinionated on some of his social media posts, and you could sense that there is some tension there between Tommy Frazier and the Nebraska football program. Well, you want to read the tweet real fast? Yeah, yeah we can go through a few of these. Um, and this is not, I didn't see all of them. This is not the out of the norm. One. Tommy, yeah. during the game, he typically posts some things, and some of it is to interact with the fans, and he wants people to respond as to what their thoughts are at the end of a quarter or at halftime. Um, but at one point during the Iowa game, he wrote, this team has no fight. And then he had continued to go on in the second half, say, run the ball downhill, that's what you get, a touchdown. And at the end, he writes, great effort, still fell up, sh still fell up short. Now it's time for them to really do some soul searching. And obviously with that, there are a number of responses and comments um, from Husker fans and others that happen to see that post. Evaluation is going to be in full force now, and this is where it really turns up. I will not comment on Nebraska football again until they make a bowl. Again, this is Tommy Frazier, one of Nebraska's all-time greats and one of the all-time college football greats, writing about Nebraska's current state of the program. He continues, it's obvious that people believe in someone that can't get it done. Those players played their asses off yesterday. So the someone he's referring to is obviously Scott Frost. Um, and listen, Tommy has a right to that opinion. And I think all Nebraska fans, even if you disagree with it, you um, probably have to admit that the, what, what he's done for the university and what he did when he played here, he earned that right to say that and to speak his mind. And that's the era that we live in is on social media and Twitter where you can tweet those things out uh, as soon as you think of it. So uh, disagree or agree with that. He has that right. Um, it's unfortunate uh, that maybe some former players are, you know, starting to have that opinion about the current staff. Uh, but when you're not winning football games – when you win four games and then you win five games, uh, people are going to start wondering what's going on. And he has some intel as to what is going on, too. Not only from his connections within the program, but also having walked those same hallways. So there is a, an extreme emotional investment that Tommy Frazier has that a lot of other people that read these comments and make their own opinions about it that they do not have. And let's be clear here. Tommy Frazier being critical of the Nebraska football program, this is nothing new. Yes, He has been very outspoken, not only with Scott Frost and uh, the current staff, but in previous staffs. And quite frankly, over the past 15 to 20 years, you know, 
he hasn't held back in sharing his thoughts, and he's entitled to his thoughts. In fact, you know, Nebraska, the university, they have on Fridays before home games, they have what is called Football Fridays. It's a very fun event in which a lot of alumni are welcomed back. They have a panel of people uh, that break down the game, give their observations, um, typically hosted by Greg Sharp. It's a, the Spirit Squad is there. It's a fun deal. And for the longest time, Tommy Frazier was a part of that panel. It got him on campus. It helped people attend the event, you know, of course you'd want to go watch Tommy Frazier firsthand and get his thoughts on the game. But even then, you know, at a uh, university-run event, he didn't shy away from being very black and white in what his evaluation of the football or about the culture or about the atmosphere around the program, what it might be at that time. And I think this is another example of him doing that. I'm with you, Dan. I think that Tommy Frazier can say absolutely whatever he wants to say, and not have to worry about what people think about it. Well, he's always said, you may not like me, but you're going to respect me. And yeah, that's it. That's what, what it is. So, and in fact, maybe I think probably Scott Frost would admit that they might need some players like Tommy Frazier, not in uh, necessarily, well, the physical aspect of, of Tommy's game, but the mental aspect where uh, he's going to grab you by the face mask if you're not performing up to your up to your and his and the coaching staff standards. The interesting element here is how is this coaching staff uh, going to receive these comments? How are they going to respond to them, if at all? And it's not just Scott Frost and his staff, but also some of the administrators at the University of Nebraska, knowing that obviously they want Tommy Frazier wearing Nebraska red and promoting the program as much as he possibly can. And an interesting piece of the conversation is how alumni are welcomed back and per- welcomed back and perceived within the walls down there at Memorial Stadium. Because when Scott Frost was hired, the day he was introduced, what was the scene? Well, when he walked into the building, there was an army of former Nebraska players from multiple generations that were there suited up to welcome him back, love on him, and encourage him. So that's the group of alumni, and that was the mentality and the the rally of one of Nebraska's own being in charge of the football program is to unify the former players. But now we have a pretty big example of the unification not being at the level in which everybody would want it to be. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like a bailout for me, but it's just like Nebraska just needs to start winning football games. And, And this week, now we have the Joe Burrow you know, that mm. Nebraska rejected Joe Burrow. And, and whatever you want to look into that story, it's obviously going going on viral on, on Twitter. You know, if, if Nebraska was winning some games, it'd be like, all right, Joe Bur- Burrow, you know, congratulations to you. We're happy. But now it's, well, you know, we didn't need him. And now he's going to win the Heisman. And so... It's just Nebraska just needs to start winning games. I wanted to go on your I'm gonna go down your path here about Joe Burrow because that that's an interesting situation because it was probably a a misevaluation from Bo Pelini and, and his coaching staff. Or maybe Joe Burrow's style didn't quite fit the offense that they wanted to run. So they missed there. And then Mike Riley, I I mean, Joe Burrow wanted to come to Nebraska despite all the turmoil. He wanted to come when Bo Pelini was the head coach. And even when he decided to transfer from Ohio State, it sounds like he was interested in possibly coming to Nebraska. And that was not 
the Bo Pelini era, the Huskers had moved on from that. And I remember in my first sit-down interview with Scott Frost as head coach, I asked him, there is a quarterback that is looking for a school to play and has ties to the University of Nebraska. Do you have any interest in that? And he, his response to me, he didn't mention Joe Burrow by name. He did not mention that situation. All he said was, my focus is solely on the guys in my locker room. And it was very a, a very closed door response. And it wasn't the, there was never a crack in the door for Joe Burrow to come to Nebraska. And I think that's what really sits in the pit of a lot of Husker fans' uh, stomachs. I mean, I love watching Joe Burrow play football. And I think LSU runs the RPO as well as anybody in the country. And the guy has a strong, strong arm. I'd be shocked if he did not win the Heisman. No, he's going to win it. He'll win the Heisman. Um, I'll just say this. I'm really happy for Joe Burrow. Me too. Because he seems like a great kid. He comes from a great family. His dad and his brother played at Nebraska. And, you know, things did not work out at Ohio State like he wanted to. Louisiana is a lot like Nebraska, where they love LSU football. Death Valley is a great place. Baton Rouge is a great college football town. And they have just welcomed him with open arms. And Joe Burrow has loved them back. And it's like, you know what? Good on you, LSU, because despite, you know, it it is a program like Nebraska, although they have a lot of talented recruits in that state. But as far as embracing the university, it's a lot like Nebraska, and I'm happy for Joe. Yeah, I am too. That's a really good point, Dan, too, about the the love relationship between— And I think we can—sorry, Kevin. I think we can all admit that if Burrow did come to Nebraska, that he probably wouldn't be having the type of success he's having this this season at LSU. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point, that you can't assume that what has happened in his career would have happened— not just at Nebraska, but anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Everything had to line up correctly. The offense, the coaching staff, the investment in him. But we do know this. Joe Burrow has worked his tail off in learning that offense. And look at his completion percentage. Last year it was in the 50s. This year it's almost at a college football all-time high. He's completing over 75% of his passes in LSU. But, oh, by the way, is the number one seed for the college football playoff. They may win the the championship this year. Dan, we'll, we'll finish up with this. We're running out of time here, and we've appreciated uh, you guys sticking with us here as we talk Nebraska volleyball. We chat with Matty Kubik. We go into the Tommy Frazier discussion with Nebraska football and then touched on uh, Joe Burrow and LSU. You know what's coming up, and I love it. College football bowl season. Mm-hmm. So the bowls were announced on Sunday or finalized at the very least. And the Big Ten, let's run down a few of these games. This is as challenging of a Big Ten schedule for the bowl season as I can remember in quite some time. Of course, you have in the college football playoff, Ohio State facing Clemson. Ohio State did not get the one seed. That's after they were uh, pushed a little bit in the Big Ten championship by Wisconsin. But Ohio State, Clemson. Michigan State is facing Wake Forest in the Pinstripe Bowl. Iowa is headed out to the Holiday Bowl. I think that's where the Hawkeyes knew that they would they would be going, mm-hmm. and they draw USC. Yeah, should be a fun matchup. Just real fast with that Fiesta Bowl college football semifinal. Ohio State playing Clemson. Can't wait for that game, but it was huge for LSU to get that one seed because I was not very impressed with Oklahoma at all. So this 3-2 game is, is uh, it kind of feels like a national championship. To get into the national championship, it's going to be a fun game. If you if you like uh, if you like to go to Council Bluffs and spend some money, 
you might want to look into the point spread for that uh, what for is the it? LSU Oklahoma. Oh, game. what well, what is that? The spread opened at twelve and a half. Ooh, that's and a, a lot huge, of huge. That is a huge line for a college football playoff game. Oh, I think they'll win by twenty plus. Well, I'm not. Yeah, there's a reason why it's it's that big. It's I don't know. I don't know that Oklahoma can stop. LSU in that offense. Let's continue on. Cotton Bowl is Penn State versus Memphis. Illinois gets into the postseason for the first time under Lovey Smith. They head out to the Red Box Bowl, which is in Santa Clara. Nebraska went out to that venue under Mike Riley. The Fighting Illini will face Cal. Then in the Citrus Bowl, it's Michigan-Alabama. Hello, Jim yeah, Harbaugh. Should be a good one. Minnesota, the reward for their really good season. They go play Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Indiana. And a pretty good season. Tom Allen, new contract for him. Indiana's going to play Tennessee in the Gator Bowl. And then Wisconsin is smelling roses again. The Badgers will face Oregon. And Oregon was just outside the college football playoff, just like uh, Wisconsin. So we ran down all those bowls. Legitimately, what's the Big Ten looking at here for a win total? Well, it's not going to go 7-0 and like it did a couple years ago, but again, your conference is judged on how you do in the college football playoff. That's so, where we're at in college football. So you think so Ohio if, State beating Clemson would validate the Big Ten? If or if it, if it wins the national championship, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's a difficult path for, for the Big Ten, and the one thing I take away is, okay, Indiana makes a bowl game, Illinois makes a bowl game, Nebraska just needs to start winning some games. Oh, you spun it back to Nebraska. I'm going to say Big Ten's going to win two games out of these bowl games. I think they win two. And I think the two winners are Indiana and Ohio State. And that's Ohio State in the semifinal, not in the championship. Yeah, but you know what? If if Ohio State wins the national championship and the Big Ten loses the rest of the bowl games. It makes up for all of it? it, it it's pretty close. Yeah. All right. Well, you're living. It would in, be cool. You're living in 1992. This is 2019, where your conferences judge on how you do in the playoff. 1992 was a good year, <laughs> so I guess year. I will take it. I bet Sega was hot then, and uh, I was Let's sitting in my her. mom's basement eating uh, eating Cheerios and playing video games all day long. Oh, man, good time. Take me back. Good time. But uh, yeah. Anyways, college bowl season. It's nostalgic. Can't wait uh, to flip on the TV and watch Indiana and Cal on a random Wednesday afternoon. It's Illinois and Cal, by the way. Indiana, oh, Indiana Tennessee. Excuse me. How, Tennessee. how dare I make that mistake? Tennessee not coached by Lane Kiffin, who, oh, by the way, if you saw the, the uh, hiring of Lane Kiffin, it was a pep rally at Ole Miss. It was not a press conference. It was a pep rally. The, the video that <laughs> Ole Miss had was awesome. And then Lane Kiffin getting off the, uh, off the plane and kissing babies and somebody telling him he needs to get a burner phone. It's like inject it into my veins. That is a, a match made in heaven it right is. there. That is going to be a wild, especially for the SEC, which can get really stuffy and really top heavy. Oh, by the way, you're going to want to start following Mississippi football yeah. because with Lane Kiffin, anything goes. Dan, final thoughts for this week's podcast. Well, words were spoken. I think we <laughs> did all right. And we formed some thoughts. We articulated some thoughts. That's all you get. All right. With Dan Corey, I'm Kevin Suits. Thanks for listening to the End Report pa- Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app.
This is an alert from your Stay up to date now. during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now weather app. Download the 1011 Now weather app for free today.